Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say hey since the moment pitches could move. Welcome to the Luck It All podcast. This is your yes, host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing a classic. I think it's going to say that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it, that 2022 continues to impress me as one of the most uh, original years for, or one of the most uh, prolific years for original cinema. I think that I can already go ahead and say that uh, nope, of uh directed by jordan peele starring daniel kalua kiki palmer stephen young is going to more than likely be in my top 10 of the year nope is a 2022 american science fiction horror film written and directed by uh and produced by jordan peele um, under his monkey paw productions banner it stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Young, Michael Wincott, Brandon Pereira, and follows two ranch-owning siblings um, who attempt to capture evidence of some interesting, crazy behavior happening in the sky. So um, I don't really want to talk about too much of the story uh, yet because I think that this is one of those films that really – are much more impactful with the less you see going in. Like I would recommend, don't look at the trailer. Don't look at the marketing. Don't look at any of it. Jordan Peele already has one of those names, kind of like a, up there with like a Tarantino or a Christopher Nolan, that if you see his name on a film and you kind of, you've correlated it with some of the, the most, most interesting thought-provoking um, work that has been produced in the last 10 years that Jordan Peele's name is without a doubt a name that is going to draw you directly to the theater so I, I think that should go ahead and tell you right now to go see the movie mostly because uh, not only is it that much more thought-provoking um, but it is it's a piece of cinema that uh, makes you think it makes you horrified it makes you laugh uh, maybe some people might cry I'd say maybe the only uh, critique of the movie is that I wasn't super emotionally involved with these characters but with saying that I absolutely enjoyed my time watching this it's the cinematographer that uh, has worked a lot with um, Christopher Nolan Christopher Nolan um, actually directed the movies um, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Tenet with uh, this cinematographer, Hoyt Van Hoytema. And uh, I, I believe that's how you say it. He's a cinematographer from Switzerland. But um, I've always been, ever since, I think maybe, what was the movie? Okay, so Ad Astra, he also... Um, was a cinematographer that Spectre, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, The Fighter 2010. Really like the cinematography on that as well. He's just a cinematographer that I like following and seeing his work put on the big screen. The reason that I say go watch this on the big screen is because it looks and sounds 
like a million bucks. I mean, the, the sounds are terrifying, the whirlwind, the, the craziness that's happening in this movie. It's, it's such an experience and uh, somewhat of a spectacle, which actually kind of correlates to how this movie is, um, is, is uh, tonally themed. So Peel officially announced his uh, then untitled third uh, directorial film in November 2019. Uh, Palmer and Kaluuya joined in February 2020, with Yun being set cast the next month. And Peel revealed the title of uh, the title, July 2021. Filming took place during fall 2021 in northern uh, L.A. County, wrapping in November. The title was uh, rumored to be an acronym for Not of Planet Earth. And uh, we're going to start talking a little bit more about the um the synopsis for this movie so if you don't want to know anything about this movie uh i'm not going to talk about spoilers yet but there will be a spoiler section um and a larger spoiler section for patreon section but um without if you don't want to know anything about this movie go ahead and see it totally recommend it looks like a million bucks sounds like a million bucks it's not perfect but it's thought-provoking enough that i think you're going to really enjoy it give it eight out of ten let's continue to uh with the uh, synopsis okay so um nope was an acronym for not of planet earth or not our planet earth based on the movie poster but peel later revealed that the title refers to the reaction he had hoped to elicit from audiences which i i can attest to nope premiered at the tlc chinese theater in la on july 18th 2022 and was uh, released in the United States on July 22nd, 2022 by Universal Pictures. It has grossed $98 million and was praised for its originality, ambition, performances, cinematography, and direction, although the screenplay polarized some critics. Uh, edited by Nicholas Monsoor, music by Michael Abels, um, same guy who's done the music on his previous films. I believe he did. He worked on us and he also worked on uh, get out as well. And so that's why this movie looks and very much feels very similar to his other films as well. Um, if you ask me, I think that some people thought that us and get out was taking place in the same world, which um, possibly uh, I, I was originally going into this movie not even thinking about that, but the more I think about it, I'm like, maybe, maybe it could. Um, has a running time of 131 minutes. It is on a budget of $68 million, which we don't get too many of those these days. It's normally like a lower budget of like 30 million, which is basically nothing these days, uh, all the way up to like 100 million all the way past 150 you know there's there's very few of these types of movies that are just like 50 60 million dollars these days because uh that they, they don't believe them a lot believe in them a lot i think most of them are going to streaming but you don't put jordan peele's hoyt van hoytema's uh, cinematography straight to uh streaming you know this is a beautiful ass film um yeah i would honestly go back to watch it just for the cinematography and the visuals and technicals alone um, but you know continuing on 
Uh, let me see if there's anything else we want to talk about. Um, I think that's about all we can talk about from the behind the scenes perspective. I really didn't do too much uh, research into how much uh, they had released with the information of I, I the only thing I've seen promoted about this is like one trailer and i was like this is showing way too much once again you don't need to show me all of this just show me one or two creepy scenes and tell me it's jordan peele and i'm there you know i don't show me the whole th third act of what's going on i think there's some of the best scenes shown out of context in the in the marketing so i would totally recommend going into this cold uh so you know who's in it you know who directed it you know who's in front of the camera um you know who's behind the camera, but let's kind of get a little bit more into the nitty gritty details of Nope 2022. All right, so we are getting ready to get into the plot of Nope. And uh, for everyone that wants the full review, be sure to check out uh, luckitoutpodcast.com or patreon.com slash luckitoutpodcast, where you'll be able to listen to the full review early before anybody else, as well as uh, in full, you're going to be getting a condensed review on YouTube and other platforms as well. So be sure to go to uh, luckitoutpodcast.com for all the full library that you can find there. Um, but again, thank you for thumbs upping. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for um, watching Luck It Out Podcast. And uh, if you're pausing here, then please come on back and you'll be able to listen to the full um, spoiler section with everybody. Um, thank you. Take it easy and let's get into the plot. As always, and maybe a little bit of coffee couldn't hurt to, you know, kind of get this, uh, derby going since we're got some horses in this, you know? So the movie, nope really did uh, show way too much, in my opinion, for the marketing of this trailer. Uh, I was like, they, they show people being sucked into the air, and I'm pretty sure they allude to there being, you know, UFOs and whatnot. So I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about this. I think I, I was like, I, I had heard in a, uh, other podcasts that's what was going on, but I had, hadn't seen any visuals. So if I only hear a podcast talking about a movie i it's and they tell me about it it's not as bad as if i'm seeing the actual visual because i'm like i'll be sitting there waiting for the jump scare to happen or something like that or the you know the the something in the sky to show up or something you know I, i'm just kind of like very conscious of like the visuals happening on marketing and the trailers of mark uh the trailers of movies because i'll be looking i'll be like oh i can't wait for this uh explosion to happen or this car wreck or this this guy to punch this guy in a funny way or something you know something of that nature so uh let's get into the plot of nope 2022 and noting that the movie does have what feels like three or four openings i know it's going to so it's going to give me in the synopsis right here, um, the, sorry, the plot of exactly how everything opened, but it feels like there's like three different openings. It starts first with, I will cast uh, abominable filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. Nathan 3, 6 is the Bible verse that opens the film. Um, so it also includes, or sorry, it begins like, 
1998, on the soundstage for the sitcom Gordy's Home, the titular chimpanzee animal actor attacks and maims three of its co-stars after being startled by the pop of a helium balloon. The show's youngest actor, Ricky Jupe Park, hides under a table and is unharmed, though traumatized, by the experience. The chimp finds Jupe and extends his hand for a fist bump just before being shot by the authorities. And this is kind of also told a little bit out of, out of order as well, because the fist pump and actually seeing all of this happen in quote unquote real time, seeing it happen before he attacks, because I think we're only shown post attack at the very beginning. So that's basically everything that happens. This monkey goes crazy, attacks this little girl, everyone on set, the trainer, he's like, Gordy, Gordy down. You know, he's like, you don't, Gordy, you better, you better take it easy. And that chimp is like, <laughs> he just basically is going after everybody in the studio. We have a really slow panning shot within the, in, in the Gordy's flashback. And it's all from the perspective of young Jupe. And it's very slow and, um, uh ominous a little bit and uh it's it's got like the sound stage where everybody's supposed to be but apparently i think they've all either i think they've all been cleared out um or something's happened because the light is off for like the time that the the, the monkey is going crazy and um the monkey comes up to young jupe and is going to fit do the super explosion fist bump sorry where's the camera super explosion fist bump um and uh, yeah, the authorities say, boom. I mean, don't, I wouldn't exactly blame the monkey in this scenario, but I would be scared out of my fucking mind for damn monkey going around ripping people's faces off and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so there is like this under, there's like this tone of, uh, it's like animal cruelty that is uh, kind of, shown a little bit like the mistreatment of animals and whatnot is kind of a big theme in this movie as well this movie also starts off with this animated gif kind of it's not it's not a gif but it's it's the first motion picture i believe and it was i believe of Edward moybridge uh animals locomotion which was um uh, it's just like a horse moving it's it's like several pictures put together to make like the first piece of uh what is it used as an illustration of the very first assembly of photographs used to create a motion picture and so you know jordan peele wants to is kind of like pointing the pointing the spotlight back at the individuals that uh such as Edward Moybridge being the first black man um, on, you know, on a horse to be shown basically on video and how majority of people don't remember this, uh, this fact, it's kind of been kind of washed away as, you know, the, almost colonizing the idea of only white men were on, um, you know, were cowboys and on horses and the ones that were quote unquote remembered. And I think that Jordan Peele is, saying you know you know after everything that's happened in the last hundred years or something like that over a hundred years you know remember what the first where all this was originated in. and it did come from uh, uh 
cinema coming from uh, a black actor, I guess, if you really want to uh, boil it down. Um, it was uh, a black man that was on the uh, on the video first. And that that's a really cool fact. I mean, I had I had no I I think I had heard that a long time ago, but this really kind of like cements it in my mind. It's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is pretty crazy um you know that fact you know i think that's kind of like that goes down with the million other things that were given uh to uh not just white people but people of other races taking from the black culture and not giving them credit i think that's kind of the the thematic um undertones here it's not just you know, remembering who was the first on on uh, on film, but that's kind of where it uh, is alluding to in a way. And so, I think that also ties into how the the Bible verse is tied into this as well. So, yeah, in present day ranch owner Otis Hayward Sr. This is uh, one of the actors I didn't mention, and that was he was in the trailer, but I didn't want to mention it if anyone didn't see the trailer. Was Keith David plays Otis Hayward Senior? I was like, this is a big ass name. I mean, if you see Jordan Peele's name on it, then you should know that he has the pull to bring someone like a, a Keith David. But this is like a very um, small, basically a cameo, and it's uh, he does an excellent job with it. Ranch owner Otis Hayward Senior trains, handles horses, trains and handles horses for film and television productions when he is killed by a nickel through the eye that falls inexplicably from the sky his children otis oj haywood jr played by daniel kalua and emerald m hayward inherit the ranch oj tries to keep the business afloat and maintain his father's legacy despite a reserved attitude while M seeks fame and fortune in Hollywood. The Haywards claim that the unnamed jockey, uh, Edward Moybridge, very first, you know, the, the, what I just mentioned, the first man on uh, creating on a motion picture was their ancestor. So I think it's uh, a fictional fact in the story of this that they are like, Yes, that was our great grandfather or something like that, which is which is a cool connection to have um, in the industry, especially since they are working in the industry. So six months later, while filming a commercial with prominent cinematographer, see, this is like the third intro. It's like we have an intro to the uh, the Gordy storyline with uh, with uh, Jupe. And then we have another introduction with Otis Hayward Sr. and then a time jump. So it's like there's a lot of openings for this uh, two-hour movie. Six months later, while filming a, a commercial with prominent cinematographer Antlers Hoist, one of the horses reacts violently when the crew startles it, puts a damn mirror in front of the horse's face. Like, are you an idiot? And I was like, you gotta be a dumb sack. And I was waiting so much. I mean, everybody was, for some reason, I was just like, all right, this, this uh, horse is going to definitely kick somebody in the face and it's going to be their fault. I was just, feel, I, I could just feel it on set. So and I got to say that I don't think Gordy was shown in the majority of the trailers. I think that Gordy was very much held back as a uh, part of the story. 
but I could be wrong. They might have shown Gordy in later later cuts of the uh, uh, trailer. I do find that interesting. So the Haywoods are fired from the project, and the ranch ranch's financial woes force OJ to sell horses to to a grown up jupe who has moved nearby and set up Jupiter's Claim, a small Western theme park where he exploits his story of the Gordy's Home Massacre for profit. OJ periodically sells horses to Jupe, but this time Jupe offers to buy the ranch from the Haywoods. That night, M encourages OJ to sell the ranch and recalls resenting their father's broken promise to let her train her own horse. The Haywoods notice their home's electricity fluctuating and their horses vanishing and violently reacting to an unknown presence. They discover an unidentified flying object, a UFO, shaped like a flying saucer that has been devouring their horses and then spitting out inorganic matter, which caused their father's death. The siblings decide to document the evidence of the UFO's existence, believing selling a picture, quote unquote, the Oprah shot, would make them rich and famous and recruit Fry's, like Fry's is like Best Buy or something like that, or a, a tech Walmart or a Radio Shack for back in the day. Fry's electronics employee, I think it's only in California from what I heard, Fry's electric employee and UFO enthusiast Angel Torres to set up surveillance cameras. Electrical interference from the UFO and a praying mantis on one of the cameras prevent them from getting clear footage, but Angel notices a nearby cloud that never moves. They deduce that it is the UFO's hiding space. So that, that's a lot that's happened in that last uh, paragraph or two, but I got to say that the introduction to the missing horses, the introduction to how the stuff is almost ingested in this like UFO and then spit back out like violently. I was, I was floored the, the, the creation and the sound design and the look and the feel and everything about it. I was, I was here for it. I was, scared out of my pants just like holy shit this is fucking insane i've seen maybe 15 horror films in the past like two or three months and this is by far the most uncomfortable to watch uh i was i watched all the nightmare on elm street i watched all of the friday the 13th uh the ring i watched insidious i watched just a whole bunch of uh, horror films none of them made me feel as uncomfortable as this movie has i was like this is horrifying it's like they're being ingested by a vacuum cleaner uh that basically has a blender inside and it's just like the scariest thing i've seen in a very long time and uncomfortable thing because it feels kind of like this organic matter it doesn't feel just like it's all metally and uh you know uh sleek and metal and stuff like that it feels like an like an organic piece of 
material or something when you see the inside and you hear the inside and the screams of the horses and the screams of the people it's like this is terrible this is terrible uh, uh in, in the best way you know like horrifying um so yeah the sound design is absolutely that is out of this world so um yeah the uh Jupe announces a live show in Jupiter's claim where he plans to lure out the UFO in front of a paying audience. He is revealed to have been feeding it with the Haywoods horses for months. The UFO arrives, uh, but devours Jupe, his family, the attending employees, and the audience. This is a horrifying sequence, just... Uh, let me let me kind of rewind. First of all, the look, the the uneasiness of this entire scene is is real. I was like the the, the Jordan Peele may not have a hundred percent in the story, but he has a hundred percent in the suspense. I think the suspense of his films are always very much uh, super eerie, super weird. Just makes you uncomfortable as hell it's like an experience that you just have to experience you know as uh with a whole bunch of people it's just like this is you know you can feel the tenseness in the room uh so with saying that the you know having this like little monologue speech that jupe gives right before you know get ready to witness the spectacle and stuff like that like the the whole movie is about being obsessed with spectacle being uh kind of overcome with spectacle and you know, not being, being able to, uh, you know, witness something amazing, but also being obsessed with it, like how the culture is obsessed with, you know, watching short TikTok videos or how the culture is obsessed with, you know, certain TV or something like that. You know, this would be, we are obsessed with looking at this spaceship. And if the, the rules that, uh, we find out by Daniel Kaluuya, which are kind of conveniently told. He's just like, oh, if you don't look at it, it ain't going to get you. It's like, I'm not really sure I got that. Uh, I understood how he came to that logic, but I'm still like, okay, that's the that's the rules you're going to play by. And so, uh, you know, what is uh, Stephen Young's character, Jupe says, you know, witness a spectacle and everyone's looking up like, oh, you know, they, they are like witnessing the thing they've never seen before. And they think is that this horse is going to get snatched. Literally, they all get snatched like, like fucking the scariest shit. It's like, being on the inside of a tornado and then at the end is a blender or blender body or something like that and you hear the people screaming and when the ufo is going all around all you hear is people screaming and it's 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 uh it is disturbing it is like they're being ingested by like a, a an animal of some sort and when the the ufo is done with all of the the ingestion it just sits there like hovers over their house at one point and just delivers all of the it just dumps all the blood and dumps all of the inorganic matter all over the place all over their house all over um everything and it is uh it's horrifying i gotta say that that was a very uncomfortable scene but like i've it's something i've never seen before and it was like this is insanity I also got to say that I bet they could have made a lot selling that ranch. Uh, that ranch is probably worth a lot. Um, no more financial troubles if you just don't have the ranch, in my opinion. But whatever. Um, I digress.
<laughs> yeah. So literally I didn't understand if Jupe was planning on him dying with his wife and everybody. I didn't really, I, I would like to hear from Jordan Peele or company or whoever, if Steven Yeun knew he was going to be taken and that was his last show. Because I easily could have, I thought what he was going to happen was he was going to feed the entire audience. They had the the one girl that had her face mauled off. Um, she's in like one shot and then she gets taken into, like she had a horrible life. Like that sucks. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, the, the uneasiness, like showing the slushy machine still rolling and it's like, oh God, uh, horrifying. Um let me see. Oh, in the recorded playing of uh, Stephen Young being like, all right, the park's closing up. And it's like you look, they're looking around the park several times and ain't nobody in the park. It's like, oh, my Lanta. That, that always horrifies me. An empty, like, carnival park always is scary to me for some reason. Uh, don't want to be in there. Okay, so UFO devours literally everybody except for the horse. Lucky, I believe. Hey, so um, OJ deduces that the UFO is not a spaceship, but a predatory territorial creature, and it eats anything that looks directly at it. Um, utilizing similar methods to, to, uh, to those used to break and train horses, OJ um, believes that they can influence the creature's behavior to capture footage of it without being killed. And uh, when the UFO is in that area, basically the, uh, and they call it the visitors, I believe at one point, I'm not sure if that's like canon or anything, but I think Stephen Young calls it the visitors. So, um, da -da 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 -da. without being killed. Okay, so, and also the music, everything, when when the ufo is in the area it basically acts as an emp which causes all sound of they do that maybe one too many times you know it's like like the music will come back go back down um i do they gotta they do that a lot like just uh the ufo will show up and then like the lights will cut off everything turns off cameras turn off phones turn off all that stuff um so when they're trying to capture the picture of this ufo they got to use a camera that doesn't have uh or doesn't require power like that so they got to use an old school one and i my my whole thing is i understand that thematically that they want it's kind of weird that he's like saying jordan peele saying we are all obsessed with spectacle i think he's saying this we are all obsessed with spectacle and our main characters are obsessed with spectacle to the point where they are trying to almost die to just get a picture of this UFO. And what I've heard people say is that getting a picture of the UFO is not exactly going to change the minds of millions of people that there's UFO. People would probably just say that it's a, you know, a Photoshop or something like that, or it's been um, edited. So is them getting this quote unquote Oprah shot uh, going to really change the minds of millions and millions of people? I think that's kind of uh, one thing. It's one thing to think about. Another thing to think about would be um, 
you know, that they're, they're willing to almost die to get this. Like they, they easily could have just left their house, never come back and end a story. But there is this part of them that is obsessed with getting this shot of the UFO, which I'm not exactly sure that they had set up that they were willing to risk their life. Like, I mean, it, it's scary when the UFO is in, is in the uh, vicinity. So it's not like I would ever want to put myself back in that position. Um, that would be my, my main thing. So you kind of have to jump over some leaps of logic that you would will, they're willing to put themselves in that position of wanting to, you know, being almost in contact with the UFO again. So let me see what else. So they, uh, OJ believes that they can influence the creature's behavior to capture footage with, of it without being killed. I do think that they should have shown the, the nature of the UFO just a couple more times to understand that it does have a routine. I don't know if that, that they had shown enough that this thing clearly is, you know, it has a routine. Like it, it clearly goes to the same uh, non-moving cloud every time, but it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's only going to suck you up if you look at it or something like that, you know? So and I, I don't really understand why it didn't take the horse at that point too, because it seemed like it was taking all organic matter, which it, it was, I, I didn't really understand. So after a second attempt at recording footage of the creature now dubbed Jean uh, jacket by the Haywoods, um, uh, the three decide to hire hoist or four assistants hoist initially uh, refuses but considers after news spreads about the missing Jupiter's claims, spectators, and employees. Um, I do feel like Hoist is a little bit what feels like from another movie, or he just by the ending of what happens to him, it does feel like his plot line is very predictable, in my opinion. I feel like he's kind of the the expert. He he plays like the hunter or something like that in like a Jurassic Park or something like that when they just have to they're willing to die for the shot now whether he this guy is a director so he's willing to die for a camera shot but you know you, you think of like a uh was Ahab Captain Ahab and Moby Dick like he's willing to kill himself so that he he gets the the whale that's kind of what it feels like this um character is so to circumvent Jean Jacket's effects on electronics, Hoist brings a hand-cranked film camera uh, to capture footage. I do got to say, the breaking up of the different chapters didn't exactly feel like it uh, made sense to me as a, an editing decision. I understand that it you know, kind of felt like act breaks a little bit, but some of the times when they're talking about like, all right, Gordy, all right, Jean Jacket, all right, Jupe, all right, you know, whatever else. Um, it just feels like they are there for more like act breaks and the title sequences don't always have to do with what the title sequence says. Like, I feel like sometimes it'll show it and then kind of go off into different parts of the story. So I, I did feel like it was a little bit unnecessary. I was getting a little bit of a gray man vibes. I saw Martin Thomas mention that as well. Cause they did the same thing. It was like every time they were in a new uh, location, they were like China, Portugal, Brazil, Italy, 
New York. It was like, I don't need to know everywhere we're at. If it's not important to the story, Jesus. And I can see where we're at, you know? Um, so anyways, let's, uh, let's uh, bring it back, bring it back. So they bring a hand-cranked camera to capture the footage. I did see it's like a hand-cranked IMAX camera, I believe. Which I, do they make? Did they do they make those? Like this is modern times. So I don't even know if that they made those. Um, but uh, I noticed that because I think this movie was shot with IMAX cameras too. Got a little uh, synergy. The group work out a plan to bait out Jean Jacket and watch a field of scattered tube man props tube man as in like the crazy wackadoodle things that you see at uh, car dealerships and stuff like that or furniture outlets for some reason um but i thought that was kind of a cool idea i don't know why they had to use car batteries and steal a whole bunch or to, to steal the whole things but anyways i guess nobody's in the town or something i don't know whatever um but uh they get the tube men and they're using the tube men as uh, an indicator of where the ufo is so when the tube men stop moving and start moving you can kind of see when they're starting waving they have power you can see where the ufo is at their time um so it kind of gives them an indication so let me see how the da, 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 da. Uh, jean jacket watch a field grows props as for electrical uh, malfunctions to do to deduce its location in the sky as their plan starts, a TMZ reporter trespasses onto the field and is thrown from his electric motorcycle when it shuts down near Jean Jacket. And uh, you're like, what the hell is going on? And uh, you find out that this guy with a reflection mask, I was like, this is a little, this is a little bit obvious, um, is there. And he's, he's just like, he's almost like a prop in, in the story to say like, Oh, here's another guy that's obsessed with getting the shot. When he gets in a motorcycle accident, the first thing he's asking for is this camera. He wants a, he wants a, a shot of that. Or for some reason, it's like, Oh my gosh, really? You're, but you basically broke your body and all you care about is the camera. And it's like, all right, I get the idea. You know, Jordan Peele's hitting us over the head with obsessed with the spectacle you know, this guy's willing to die for almost die on a motorcycle for it. Um, so OJ rushes, and, and not to mention that the name of the main, main character is OJ, and it's brought to the attention of everybody, um, you know, talking about like OJ Simpson back in the day and um, everyone being obsessed with the spectacle that is OJ. Um, OJ rushes over on horseback and the reporter begs him to film Jean Jacket as it, as it approaches. Um, he is devoured as OJ flees hoist and and he he can see the ufo is coming uh coming up on him because well one you can fucking hear for one thing but the uh, uh the reflection in the mask allows him to see where it is so and and i guess the the ufo knows it's being looked at because even though it has a mask you know the reporter has a mask on it's like okay um let me see he is devoured by OJ. Uh, OJ flees. Hoist an angel uh, capture footage of Jean Jacket from a nearby hillside, but Hoist unexpectedly jumps from uh, com from cover and lets himself be eaten along with his camera. And he's just like doing. I thought he was stealing the footage and going to go sell it himself, but no, he was just ready to die for the shot. I was like, all right, this there was nothing about this guy that made me think that he was going to com uh, commit suicide for this. But I was like, okay, whatever. Um, 
just have to believe it at that point. And that, this was one of the part, parts I was like, all right, you're just going to have to suspend disbelief for this. Um, so uh, forcing the, the remaining three to flee as their uh, planned further ravels. Um, so Angel survives a, f- a feeding attempt from Jean Jacket when he is uh, accidentally tethered by a tangled sorry a tangle of tarp and barbed wire it looks um it 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 looks terrible getting sucked into this like vacuum tornado of uh of this uh of the ufo and and it um this this angel guy is wrapped up in barbed wire and that just sounds like a a a terrible combination so we don't exactly see every all the terrible things that happen to him while he's being sucked up in there and then spit back out kind of um but it looks very painful so uh the creature unfurls from its saucer shape to uh to a jellyfish like biblical angel form this is what it says on a wiki and the shift in the transformation of everything that's happening with the ufo is just like holy shit it's just like this is um you know jean jacket is like crazy um it's just like a, a crazy looking ufo thing and at this point it's gone from a ufo thing to like uh like an organic creature kind of flying in the air. And you just, I didn't really understand why it was metamorphosizing, I guess, at that point, but it it seems that it was in pain. It was in pain ingesting the, uh, the barbed wire. So um, yeah, I was like, okay, so there's a way to hurt it for one thing, but also now we got to worry about this thing just being fucking ginormous and uh, flying all over everybody and making some crazy noises. Um, the uh da, 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 da. so oj lures jean jacket away from m while she uses the motorcycle to rush to jupiter's claim there m untethers uh the the theme park the theme park's large helium balloon mascot jean jacket uh approaches the airborne balloon while m uses an attraction analog camera to photograph it i thought that was a weird a weird thing to see earlier in the movie is everybody like looking down this well and then there's this crank camera that is taking their photo when they look down on the well um i do feel like some of the the things that are set up in the early first part of this film kind of come in a little sloppy on the second part it's like all right so that's definitely coming back all right kiki palmer just did like a a wink at the camera and she's like and i'm really good on motorcycles wink you know it's like all right (laughs) some of these things that are seated in early almost are almost directly correlated to it to the point where it's like all right so motorcycles are coming back this camera's coming back this monkey's coming uh, you know the monkey didn't come back but i i still thought like I was like, eh, could could be seated a little bit better, just written better into the story, I think. Um, but I did like how the coins were um, 
were kind of a motif throughout the movie. You know, their father was killed with a coin. They used a coin to take the photo of the the, uh, the jean jacket in the air, all that stuff. Um, so jean jacket approaches the airborne balloon while M uses an attraction analog camera to photograph it. Jean jacket attempts to feed on the balloon. And it's like this giant, like, you know, like, looking uh steven young or something like that and uh right someone said it looked like steven young i don't know this is a cartoon to me but um so he's uh, jean jacket attempts to feed on the balloon but it explodes seemingly killing the creature with uh the picture as proof of the creature's existence and re uh, reporters uh assembling at the theme park's entrance oj arrives on the other side with his horse having survived the encounter with Jean Jacket. Um, and there is some beautiful ass cinematography of OJ on the on the horse running away from the UFO. I'm, I'm always a sucker for uh, cowboys and aliens. And I know this wasn't like a back in the day kind of cowboys, but I was still super down for this. And so I was just like, uh, I thought the ending was was very good. Um, like I said, some of the stuff that is seeded earlier in the movie doesn't, uh, always exactly come back naturally and it flows naturally but there's the evolution of jean jacket changing into what i heard someone say uh i think double toasted said that um jean jacket starts to evolve different forms um you know goes from like a ufo to like this like sprawling um you know sprawling kind of butterfly angelic look to what looks like the uh the lens of a camera almost is like changing and doing all these or geometrical origami type shapes looking and whatnot. So I was just like, uh, this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. So I was totally down for this movie. I gave it an eight out of 10 performances were off the chain. The emotional parts were a little bit, um, lacking in some parts. I thought I could have had a little bit more from, uh, Otis jr, but it's not the performances. It was more or less the writing that they gave them. They didn't really, um, uh, I didn't feel like they progressed his his emotional state that much, but um, I think Kiki Palmer plays, you know, the the young, hip, spry Haywood, um, and uh, Otis Jr. kind of plays the older, more melancholy um, uh, role of this uh, film, and Stephen Young just knocks it out of the park. He find, he like unlocks a new level of his acting career for this. He's perfectly kind of uh, he feels a little bit like uh the waco guy you know the uh, david what's his face uh, waco series it's like the uh the cult member david koresh he felt a little bit like the david uh, sorry david yeah david koresh um character he kind of just felt like he was like obsessed with this thing and so i was like i definitely believe it um no doubt so yeah i was i was floored by this movie i'll talk a little bit more about the uh talk a little bit more about the behind the scenes but uh let me know what you thought about the movie let me know what you thought about the review luckydollpodcast.com Talk to me in the descriptions. Talk to me and sorry, find the links in the description. Talk to me in the comments. You know what to do. Let me talk a little bit about the production and development. 
On October 1st, 2019, Universal Pictures announced a five-year exclusive production partnership with uh, Peel's Monkey Paw Production. Note, then an untitled project was then announced in November 9th, 2020. Um, Peel said to write, direct, produce. He said, I wrote in a time when we were a little bit worried about the future of cinema. So the first thing I knew is I wanted to create a spectacle. I wanted to create something that the audiences would have to come see. Speaking to GQ, Peel stated so much of the world was experiencing was this overload of spectacle and kind of a low point of our addiction to spectacle. Uh, Peel added that he wrote the film Trapped Inside. So I knew I wanted to make something that was about the sky. I knew the world would want to be outside. And at the same time, I knew we would knew this newfound fear from this trauma, from this time of what it meant to go outside. Can we go outside? So I slipped uh, some of that stuff in. And that's pretty interesting. I definitely feel like this movie feels very uh, airy and free. I don't feel claustrophobic in this movie. Claustrophobia, oh, with the exception of, when they're being sucked into the uh, the spectacle of the uh, jean jacket. But uh, yeah, that's pretty horrifying. And um, I guess it is a little bit of an allegory for what we just went through of the pandemic being sucked into that versus being inside, outside kind of thing. It's interesting how he talks about this. Peel publicly cited King Kong and Jurassic Park movies about the human's addiction to spectacle along with, along with close encounters of the third kind, signs and uh, the Wizard of Oz as influences in his writing, but later into identified Angels of Neon Gen- Genesis Evangelion as the principal inspiration for the film's premise and monster in the film's production notes. Impressed by the hyper minimalism and biomechanical design flair, the uh, Sahakel, the tenth angel, he explained his decision to include a major focus on clouds in the film. The beauty of the skies and throwing the uh, first movies in a way every now, uh, sorry, the first movies in a way. Every now and then you'll see a cloud that sits alone and is too low and gives me this vertigo and this sense of presence with a capital P. I can't describe it, but if I knew, but I knew if I could bottle that up and put it into a horror movie, it might might change the way people look at the sky. Peel originally wrote the character Angel Torres as a happy-go-lucky geek-like character until Brandon Perea was cast as a character who wanted to expand upon and portray him as more grounded. And I got to say that this character feels so much like a Dave Franco piece. If if Brandon Perea wasn't here, put it would be Dave Franco. That's all I saw the whole time. Um, it also took several rewrites in order for Pereira to convince Peel and the Universal executives to change the character's fate in the film's climax, from being killed by Jean Jacket to surviving the entire ordeal, saying there's no way the story's uh, over in my head, there's no way for, for how heroic everything kind of seemed at the end, um, like there's no way they leave the heroes like this. This is just the start of something new. Hmm. I kind of... Uh, I, I applaud Brandon Perea for putting his um, foot down on that character. And it makes sense why he lives, but he still gets, you know, quote unquote, cut up and, and like literally in the movie. Um, and 
February 2021, key, uh, it was reported Palmer and Kaluuya had joined the cast while Jesse Plemons had turned it down in favor of starring in Killers of the Flower Moon instead. Peel wrote the script with Kaluuya in mind for the role of O.J. Haywood in March. Stephen Young had added, was added to the cast. Um, principal photography took place in Agua uh, Dulce Desert in northern L.A. County. Um, the Production received an estimated 8.3 million worth of cre tax credits to shoot the film in the state of California. The film was shot on a budget of 68 million after incentives, and it was the first to employ trainees in this case, six from uh, Universal Filmed Entertainment Group's California Below the Line train traineeship, the individual seeking careers behind the camera. Um, Nope was shot by cinematographer Hoyt Van Pointima using a Kodak film using 65 millimeter film in IMAX, making it the first horror film to be shot in this format. Uh, July 22nd, 2021, Peel revealed that the film's title and shared and shared his promotional re release poster. Further castings were confirmed. Peel chose Nope as the title because he wanted to acknowledge the movie's audiences and ex expectations, um, reactions uh, to the film. And he said, however, that he had considered the title, titling the film Little Green Men to um, reference a theme in the film about humanity's monetization of spectacle. Um, filming also took place at the Burbank California location of Fry's Electronics, which had closed along with the remaining of Fry's locations um, several weeks before filming. The store was recreated in its operating state for filming. In 1972, Western film Buck and the Preacher, starring Sidney Poitier, is featured throughout the film. Peel said it was the first film that that I was the first film that I know of that had black cowboys represented in it. The myth that cowboys were just white guys running around is not true, but in this, but we don't know that because of Hollywood's Hollywood and the romanticized view of a very brutalized era. The film and it shares the film, it shares a spirit. For her introductory scene, which also opens uh, the film's trailer, Palmer shot 14 takes of Emerald's monologue about her and OJ's family history, which initially was not in the script prior to principal photography. Peel described each take as wildly, very, uh, very wildly different, uncuttably. So just uh, a tour de force. One of these things where you see somebody like, I'm going to make this choice this time and go for it. There's improv in there. Cal professor uh, John O. Debris collaborated with uh, Peel and his team on the design of jean jackets, creatures, UFOs form, uh, and a particular, uh, its final form, biblical angel form, which was inspired by those of Neon Genesis Evangelion and the sea creatures such as jellyfish, octopi, and squid uh, to imagine a hypothetical undiscovered a previously extinct sky predator, realistically imagining how could something like hide in the clouds with its ability to generate an electric field, taking the electric eels and ghost knife fish, um, allowing for electric propulsion. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was 
very much uh, floored by it. Let me see if there's anything else we want to talk about. Um, the film score was uh, composed by Michael Abels, who's worked with Peel before on Get Out and Us. Abels described his score as having to meet the threat level, quote unquote, threat level described by Peel and the uh, script and the ideas imposed by the film's iconic quote, what's a bad miracle? I thought that was a great line. He added that the music needs to have both those senses together, both a little bit, a little bit of sense of awe, like we, like, we, like we would have looking at the Grand Canyon, but then the urge to run away from the Grand Canyon because falling in would not be good. <laughs> uh, that's the dichotomy uh, that, uh, pr that is present in the film. You will hear a sense of a little bit of awe and magic and then there's sheer terror, but then there's also a sheer sense of epic adventure towards the end and giant music that accompanies a giant historic adventure. Abel's worked with the film's designer, Johnny Byrne, to uh, merge some of the score's cues involving the in in experimentation of strings and bass with the sound work done on the scenes with Jean Jacket's Creature. He also felt the use of silence played an important role in the film, saying that the tension between negative space and the music is actually part of the music, leaving room for the sound design, which even when there's a cue playing was an important way, part of a way that I approached it. A lot of times in the scariest parts, especially in the early parts of the film, you're listening to what you would hope, uh, what you hope you're not going to hear uh, or what you thought you might have heard. The stillness allows you to freak out in that way. And so, uh, and of course, it is a soundtrack album with uh, Backlot Music uh, 2022 and the score album, Corey Hart's Sunglasses at Night. I wear my sunglasses at night. And then uh, a couple other songs as well. You know, the film's features uh, Walk On By and This Generation's Lost by the Lost Generation. So, um, yeah, tons of interesting stuff behind the scenes to learn about, you know, all the different uh, things that uh, all the pieces of content that this movie was influenced by, the kind of historical facts behind it, everything. That, most of my questions all revolve around Gordy. What is the purpose of showing so much Gordy? Um, was it just strictly the kind of, you know, say this he freaked out about the spectacle or is there more than that? You know, I would like to know maybe what you all think in the comments. Uh, let me know what you think about the review. Let me know what you think about Nope. Um, if you have uh, more you'd like to talk about in the comments, please hop in the comments and uh, uh, you know what to do. Leave a comment, thumbs up, subscribe. You know what to do to support the podcast. Um, and again, uh, thank you for listening, watching Lug It Out Podcast. Take it easy. Yeah. Come on. Yeah.